Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining me today is Sarah Slack. She is the founder and executive director of the Tears Foundation. Nearly one in four women experience a pregnancy or infant loss in America, and the Tears Foundation helps bereaved families honor the life of a child. Sarah Slack, welcome. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. You know, um, I don't know, my listeners probably won't remember this, but it was like 10 years ago I had you on before. That was a long time it was ago. a long time and ago. And the Tears Foundation was kind of, I don't know, just starting getting its legs. It had been around a while, mm-hmm. but man, 10 years have gone by. You have a lot to tell us about uh, the leaps and bounds the foundation has made, but the problem, the, the difficulty that people go through is still here, isn't it? Yes. This has actually been the 16th anniversary this year. Uh, in November of the Tears Foundation. So we have definitely grown because there's such a huge need in the community across the country and actually across the world. We have some international chapters now. So um, the need is great and there's not a lot of resources. So it's just, it's it's been challenging, but it's been an honor to really be able to reach out and let families know they're not alone when they lose a child. Yeah, I get, you know, grieving the death of a baby is got to be just about the toughest experience any of us might have to face, but most of us don't face it. So we mm-hmm. don't really know that emotion, that grief. And then beyond that, I mean, I want to set this up for the folks listening, is not just that going through, but then the family has to turn and the disruption of, gee, there's financial expenses involved. Uh, I got to make funeral arrangements yeah. for an infant. Um, it's a noble, impressive mission you guys have. It must take a lot of compassion. It also sounds unique. Is it unique for the Tears Foundation? When you guys started, had the, had you found this going on elsewhere? No. Well, when I started the Tears Foundation, it came from my own personal loss of um, my son, Jesse, who was stillborn. Um, and, and he would have actually been 18 this year. He would have been a senior in high school. So it was a pretty significant year for me to think about what that would have been like to have him here. Um, but when I lost him, you know, it was the last thing I ever thought would happen to me. It's not something you think is going to happen when you're pregnant. You know, for the most part, you feel, is it a boy or a girl? You know, is the baby healthy? Um, but if your baby dies, at, whether the baby's stillborn or comes prematurely and dies shortly after or SIDS deaths that are sudden and unexpected, it's just not something that parents usually think about is going to be part of their reality. So we um, found ourselves having to plan a funeral for, for our son. And we had his nursery ready. You know, we had it's a crib, we had diapers. And uh, the last thing we thought was how much is it going to cost to pay to bury our son? And so um, that's where we found ourselves. And it actually took us a year to pay for his grave marker after his funeral services. So Um, It was a slap in the face, really, to have to mourn the loss of my son and not have the financial resources to, you know, have his grave marked properly. So that's kind of the inspiration and where this started. And I knew that I couldn't take away the pain. The pain was the most intense pain that you can imagine. I feel like it's a lot of parents' worst nightmare that you're going to have to lose your child. It's out of order. It's not the way we think life should be. Right. Like our children should bury us. We shouldn't be burying our children. So um, I decided to start the foundation and 
try to raise money to lift the financial burden from families for the funeral expenses. But since then, like I said, you know, 16 years later, we've grown tremendously to where we have lots of emotional support programs. We just want families to know that they're not alone, whether your your baby never took a breath, whether your baby was six months old, whether you had a six-year-old that passed away, you know, that that was your child, and you don't have to walk this journey alone. We have resources to support you. And was it just your own story? I don't know if I want to stay on this too long. <laughs> or, or had you then, after you had gone through that, saw mm-hmm. someone else go through that and said, wow, I, I know what you need. I mean, mm-hmm. when did that first sort of kick in and say, I know what other people need? Because you'd had to work through this yourself. Yeah. And then you came out of it positive on the other side, wanting to help people. Was it something you saw specifically or just generally said this, I can help someone else? You know, I I think it was a combination of both. I would visit my son's grave and see other unmarked children's or infant graves. And I just thought nobody should have to be going through this on top of the emotional grief and mourning process. So that was, that was a big piece of it. And, um, Gosh, so over the last 16 years, how did you get it to spread then? I can see how something like this, especially grassroots, when one person starts their own idea. But how did that spread nationally and go from city to city or state mm-hmm. to state? How many states and cities are you in around the country? Uh, we have about 40 chapters now. Um, and then we are four international chapters are in Uganda, uh, Belize, the Bahamas, and Kenya. And we have chapters, like I said, across the U.S., most of our chapter leaders um, that volunteer with us in different chapters across the country are also bereaved parents. So they they get it and they want to honor their child and they want to reach back and support the next family that comes. And and how this got going is, um, you know, there's 16 years worth of <laughs> <laughs> stories involved. It didn't all but, happen <laughs> the, the, at once. I mean, yeah, slowly. It, it, it was must... a slow, and I had some really great mentors. You know, I poured my heart and my soul and my time into getting mentored and learning and connecting in the community. And so um, that's like the extremely short version of, of how. But then people find us now. We have social media, so people will find us online and want to bring this to their community. And we have a screening process. We work with people and they become involved and they help us to spread this across the country so that there's support. And I said in the opening, uh, one in four uh, women experience a pregnancy mm-hmm. loss or an infant loss. Is that right? And how did you, I don't know, is that like under one year old? I mean, where do they cut that off an infant loss? Uh, yeah, generally statistics for that are um, from a miscarriage up to a year old. Um, and, you know, most people know somebody, if it's not themselves, that at one point experienced a pregnancy or infant loss, then their sister or a friend of theirs or a neighbor or a coworker. Um, most likely every time I go out in the community and speak or talk to people about what we're doing, most people know somebody who's gone through this. Yeah, that's that's why I was thinking that that's probably not out of line, that, no. that number. It sounds like, gee, one in four, but mm-hmm. everybody does seem to know. And then let's go to, so who needs the Tears Foundation? I mean, some people have no real support, no family mm-hmm. support, let alone no monetary support. So yeah. work us through the, the model, the, the steps, and who kicks in, uh, how the Tears Foundation kicks in and... and who finds you, how you find people who need you, and 
even if they have the money to, to spend on a headstone, like you said, mm-hmm. they still need the support. So kind of give us those steps uh, of how that initial contact is made, mm-hmm. and then we'll get into the programs and the services and what that looks like. So people generally find us, um, like I said, we have our, our chapters across the country with lots of volunteers on the ground, including here in Washington State, and the the funeral homes, the hospitals, that uh, the medical centers, doctors, EMTs, chaplains, a lot of the people that will come encounter with families who've had a pregnancy or infant loss or a child loss, um, they refer the families to us. Sometimes people just Google us and there's such a lack of resources. So they'll find us and, um, and connect for either the financial support or they just need emotional support. They need someone to walk alongside them through this and we can do that too. So there, you've made contact with hospitals, so doctors and staff at a, what do they call them, a NICU, a neonatal infant Lots care unit. They yes. all, many of them know, oh, mm-hmm. and they just say, here's a card, a brochure or we something. We have brochures and, a, and, and packets in the hospitals. Um, but yeah. that must be the hardest moment in a parent's life to say, you know, to go through the grieving and then someone say, by the way, here's this. I mean, that co- initial contact must hurt too. It's one more little Oh, I need this I feel too. like it's it's sometimes more of a relief that is it th- that there there's somebody else there oh, that's gone okay. through this so I'm not alone there's somebody that's that's going that I can call um, when I leave the hospital I'm not leaving alone I'm leaving with a resource to contact and and potential support for me for ongoing for the future and are there parameters of who you serve? Is there a, you know, you got to jump through a hoop or get over a hurdle before, oh, you're not really right for us, or I don't know. For the financial assistance, yeah. we pay for, you know, funeral costs, so cremation, burial, headstones, anything related to that. We do have um, some guidelines for that. Uh, we don't base it on income because we know sometimes we'll have families where their baby ended up in the NICU for six months and dad had to take time off of work and they have medical bills. So we look at all the circumstances. We work directly with each and every family that comes to us. Um, So we do have some guidelines as far as the age of the child. Um, But as far as emotional support, you know, we're here for anybody, even if your child was 15 years old, um, we have people that can work with you. We actually have a program for uh, youth who, in Washington State who have taken their life or passed away from a drug overdose. So we have um, grief counselors for that, and we offer financial support for the funerals for that too. So we've kind of expanded, even though our main focus is still pregnancy and infant loss. There's a lot of families that come to us and say, well, my 10-year-old son died you know, can I come to one of your events? Can I get support? And we didn't want anyone to feel excluded. We wanted to expand that support so that more families could know they're not alone, find hope, find healing. And so we we have expanded that for child loss overall. This walking beside someone, lending support, just sharing a burden, I mean, that's kind of an intangible thing to to describe mm-hmm. or uh, if you're on the receiving end, and, and most of us aren't until we have to face it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, who are those? How do you train someone to do that? Who are the folks that are these counselors, and, and what do you call them, partners? or? We call them community representatives. Community representatives, because yeah. you want them to feel part of the community. There's people out here that care. 
Yes. How, who are those folks? How do you how do you get them to be just the right person? Well, you don't have to be a bereaved parent, is what we say. Uh, you can just be a person with a compassionate heart that wants to serve, that wants to give back, and so those people in the community that are interested in walking alongside our families that are seeking support, we have a training. They go through the training. Um, you know, we make sure that they're a good fit once they go through the training. And then they, they'll they meet with the family, especially if the family is contacting us for financial support for the funeral. They will be the face of the Tears Foundation. They'll go out and meet directly with the family. They'll bring them a remembrance package with items, you know, of comfort for them to hold on to, something tangible. And they'll, you know, help them through the process. And then they follow up with them and just continue to let them know they're not alone on the child's birthday, anniversary date. You know, they continue to reach out and um, just show love and compassion to that family. And because sometimes, you know, our family and friends, they want to see us better. They want to see us not so sad anymore. But the truth is our child died. So we're going to be sad and we have the right to be sad. And it's not a fast process. This is a very, very slow, painful process. And we're not going to be the same. So you can't just snap out of it. Your (laughs) friends are hoping, okay, it's been a few weeks or it's been a few years. Absolutely. A lot. So the Tears Foundation can continue to give support for years and years. Ongoing. Wow. Like I said, my son would have been 18, and that was really significant on his birthday this year. It was was difficult. Those milestones that Mm -hmm. we all count on as celebrations must be another grieving wound to a parent. Absolutely. It's, It's something that... You know, particularly you lose a baby, and not only are you grieving the loss of your baby, but you grieve for all of these hopes and dreams that you had. You know, oh, they would have been going to kindergarten. Oh, you're right. Or they I would mean, have been getting married maybe now at this age or leaving the home. Every milestone, like you said, um, it's a reminder. We never forget. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, you said something there that made me think as soon as a couple is pregnant, they start making plans yes. in their head, dreams about mm-hmm. this child. This one's going to uh, save you know, the world from cancer. This one's <laughs> yeah. going to pitch in the World Series. Exactly. I don't know what, but everything probably goes through your head, and then none of those can come yeah. true because they crash. And then over and over, you're, you're reminded of that maybe every graduation season, you see kids mm-hmm. graduating high school on TV in a news store, and you go, oh. And again, that the, should have been him this yeah. year. Yeah. Okay. So the Tears Foundation, let's tell people that want to get in touch and find out more about them. We'll have time to cover here. Online is a great place, right? The Tears Foundation, all spelled out like yes. that, right? The Tears Foundation.org. Yes. And a Facebook presence too? Yes. If you look up the Tears Foundation on Facebook, you'll, you'll find us there as well. Um, each of our chapters online on Facebook also has its own page, uh, which you can find from the main Tears Foundation Facebook page, too. And you, you mentioned we t- I just got into this, and you know the people who do this, they're not social workers, they're not counselors, they're not trained psychologists or anything, yeah. but did you say, were you hinting at that some of them are bereaved parents themselves, too? Some are bereaved parents. So is this peer group thing, is that something else you offer? Yeah, uh, peer support. So sometimes we'll have families that call us and they had a specific kind of a loss of their child and they want to connect with someone, say their baby had trisomy 13, 
then they wanted to talk to someone who went through that same thing, same experience. So we'll connect them with another bereaved parent who has walked that path before. Mm. And that's what we call a peer companion. And gosh, so, and then I want to ask about, uh, you know, I was thinking of those parents who find themselves, you know, newly pregnant, they're young. Mm. This is almost always, right? A young yeah. couple just starting out. They don't have a, a big bankroll yet. And yeah. then they hit the that funeral cost. Yeah. Any, what's, I don't know if there's an average or a typical cost of a funeral to bury an infant or cremation services or headstone costs. I mean, they hadn't thought about that yet. Yeah. They're barely looking for their first house, maybe even, or still in an apartment. And mm-hmm. what kind of costs are we talking about? And how how do you guys fulfill that? You must have to then raise money, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we're constantly trying to raise okay. money. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're exactly right. Parents are not thinking about planning a funeral. And for infants or for babies, it's usually less expensive. Um, but again, it's it depends on the funeral home, depends on the cemetery, their businesses. So they each charge different amounts. Um, some of them will do fairly inexpensive. Um, but then we just, we have a lot of young parents that even $200 is a lot of money to them right now that are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, when we work with a little bit older children, the the cost gets higher, more of an adult cost when you're paying for a bigger casket or um, just, you know, things we don't even like to think about with kids. But the cost, the, the older the child gets, then obviously the more the expenses for the funeral. Um, but we, we do, we help with the burial, the cremation, well, if the family need, wants to pick out a special urn for their baby, um, if they can't afford the grave marker, whatever we can do to support them. We also have outfits. We work with a group that makes for babies um, burial gowns and suits. And so sometimes the family isn't pr- prepared for that, for what is the baby going to be dressed in at the funeral. And we have beautiful outfits that we give to the families with um, handmade hats and blankets and things like that too. So, you know, that's that's beautiful in its own way. Um, gosh, people are barely prepared, you know, as as their parents age and we bury our parents when we know they're going to pass away eventually. But you still don't when you're hit with I got to plan a funeral. I got to then call all these people and do all these things, cancel this and mm-hmm. look up that and ID things and official government things. And then there's you got to meet with a funeral home or a cemetery again and again and again. Yeah, those things are kind of overwhelming when you're an adult yes. and fe- uh, and grieving at the same time is facing such a huge task. It, you help people through that. Um, I don't know logistical. I don't know office work type of stuff. <laughs> is that? I don't know what you call yeah. it. You probably have a phrase for that that I don't know. Uh, well, uh, we do. I mean, we work directly with the funeral homes too, especially so a when a lot the, of them know you now. Oh yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, good. because they know that. With the financial help, we're here. We, you know, we are available. We have uh, the funding and, you know, because we're constantly, like I said, trying to raise money. Um, We don't get any government grants. We don't get big grants. We basically are relying on the community for support because our society doesn't really do grief and bereavement well, especially. It's it's a scary thing, thinking of child death. So it's not a really happy you know, fluffy cause that we have. It's a scary thing that we do, but 
there no one is doing it, so we're stepping up to do it. Um, so the funding really comes from the community and people that care about the families that we're serving. But we do help. We work directly with the funeral home, with the family. We have our community representatives that will go meet with the family and help walk them through it face-to-face and be there with them. And then after that, so, you know, all that stuff is so ticky-tack, it's a little petty. It's, you know, fill out this form. Oh, this has to be in triplicate. You didn't sign Mm -hmm. that. I mean, those are the kind of legal business things that a lot of us don't like in all sorts of aspects Mm -hmm. of our life. But a a young parent's grieving the loss of their child, you can get that out of the way for them. Say, just let us take care of that for you. Um, I'm wondering what then years later, Mm -hmm. maybe it's not years, maybe it's months, but maybe it is many years later. What's the response from those folks that say, you know what, I have finally worked through this. I get what you did for Mm -hmm. me. Do they come back and talk to you again? Now that you've been there 16 years? Some some do, and that's never our intention to ever expect to hear from them because we're here to just support them and offer that gift to them in their darkest moment of their life. Um, and when they do, of course, we're grateful that they come back and if they want to volunteer or if they're in a position to help give back to help someone else. Um, we're, and, and sometimes sometimes they do, but not everybody. And that's okay. You know? Well, I just wonder because do you do you look for them? Do you reach out to them or wait for them to come to you to say you might be a great person and a peer support that can help someone else, or do you not like I need you to help someone else? Uh, we you know we help a lot of families, so we they'll all get um, letters from us, cards from us. We send them a card on their their child's birthday a, a year later, um, two years later. And then we have our community representative that continues to reach out to them, too, to stay connected and, and even say, you know, we have a, a walk where we walk in honor of our, of our children. And sometimes the representative will say, hey, I want to walk in honor of your child this year. <clears throat> so if you want to walk with me, but if you're not ready for that, you know, I'm, I want you to know I'm walking in honor of your child this year. Wow, that's nice. We are talking today with the founder and executive director of the Tears Foundation, Sarah Slack. Sarah, we mentioned the cost of that. Mm-hmm. And so talk about that walk. That's also, you can use that as a fundraiser, right? Is that uh, called the Rock and Walk? Yeah, so one of our signature events that we host across the country is called the Rock and Walk. And the Rock is, we have rocking chairs out at the event, which kind of uh, symbolize why we're there, that pregnancy and infant loss, um, the empty arms of the parents that are missing their baby. But really, someone who's lost a child of any age could also participate. And, you know, if you go to our website, you'll get to, you'll see from all of the state chapters where and the dates that the walks are every year. You can get a t-shirt with your child's name on it. Um, it's just a really sacred kind of event where you can publicly honor your child you know so many times i feel like us as bereaved parents suffer in silence because it's not always safe to talk about it you don't know how people will respond it's such a vulnerable place to be in. it's vulnerable and a lot of times people use cliches they mean well but you know well, at least you have your other children, or at least, you know. <laughs> that's got to hurt sometimes it, to oh, hear those kind of things that, yeah. yeah. And so this, not only, I guess, a fundraiser, yeah. but you're honor, like you said, you're honoring you're those honoring child, but child. it also must be a, then a community uh, building time for those folks, right? They can see all of these other parents that come out that have also gone through this. So it's really a big feeling of not being alone. 
Hey, um, we're going to run out of time before too long. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Sarah Slack about the Tears Foundation. Is there an aspect of the Tears Foundation we didn't get to yet? Or well, maybe something you always like to say twice? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I always say doing an interview like this that I just really want anyone that's listening and maybe feels really alone and has lost a pregnancy or lost a baby or lost a child at any age that, you know, you're not alone and you don't have to suffer in silence that, you know, reach out to us. We can connect you with someone that will listen, that will be by your side. Um, and it, it might be someone you don't know right now, but they could become an important part of your life because, um, because we get it. And I think unless you've walked this road, you can't really, really understand. But there's a whole network of us out there within the Tears Foundation of bereaved parents that get it. And so don't suffer in silence. Know that there's hope. Know that you can find healing. Even if it's been years ago and you've never had a chance to talk about it, we're here. And gosh, that's so nice um, to hear that. People don't have to suffer alone. So people listening now, even if it's not them, like you said, they know someone. Yeah. Everybody seems to know someone. Just reach out and say, did you know about the Tears yes. Foundation? Might be the gentlest way to say, instead of that heavy-handed cliche <laughs> yes. <laughs> that people think, well, we do, we have a kind heart. People want to help. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this is, you guys got something great going here that it really is helping people. And you've been doing it for years now. What's the future? Is there, I mean, you've been spreading out. Is that going to mm-hmm. continue? Yeah, it's going to continue. Um, we're continuing to just expand in different states, um, in different parts of different states. We have support groups all over the country. Uh, we have right now two centers for child loss. One is here in Washington State. One is in New Jersey. And in 2019, we're hoping to open up some more centers for child loss, which is a place that safe place for bereaved parents to come and receive support. Um, so we have lots of things coming up to just continue to reach out and and help families to heal. That's excellent. He- healing is always good, at, and more kinds of healing are available for more kinds of people. Thank you so much, for mm-hmm. Sarah, uh, for coming in today. Uh, let's you. give the listeners uh, some contact information. Again, the website, details, and stories we don't have time to discuss today, right? Online, thetearsfoundation.org, all spelled out. Yes. And you have a presence on Facebook, too, The Tears Foundation yes. on Facebook. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you, Gary. We have been talking this morning with the founder and executive director of The Tears Foundation, Sarah Slack. Sarah, thank you for coming in, like I said, and really, thank you so much for all the work The Tears Foundation has done for grieving parents. It's an honor to serve, so thank you for having me. I am Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.